0: You may be seated. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to Grace. For those of you that may have moseyed in a little later because you're filling up your coffee cups, my name is Ricky. I'm the youth director here at Grace, and I'm one of the ones wearing the gray shirts. So uh, look out for those around you wearing gray shirts. They may be nodding off. Feel free to give them an elbow, a punch, whatever you need to do, a slap in the face with a bulletin, not with your hand. That would be too. That's too much. But uh, we just got back this morning from a weekend actually right up the road in Fuquay called Merge. And we spent the weekend with six other churches. We all gathered together at Triangle Community Church for three general sessions. And uh, we kind of planned this thing together. We brought in a speaker, Jeremy Kingsley, that uh, that was very effective, taught the word, uh, made the gospel clear and encouraged all of us. And then we had four sessions in homes. We had four different host homes. We had a middle school guys home, middle school girls home, high school guys home, high school girls home. I was with a high High school guys, and we had a hot tub in our home. So that was great. That was a surprise. Chris Tanas was like, You guys want the hot tub? I'm like, what? Hot tub? Yes. <laughs> None of us brought shorts, but it doesn't matter. You know, these jeans, whatever. You know, you don't care. You just get in, you get in the hot tub. So see who can last the longest. We had a great weekend, and things happen whenever you are intentional with, with connecting. And getting together with six other churches can be a little awkward, but yet you we got together, we had something in common. We were there to worship the Lord and so to grow in the knowledge of the Lord, and uh, connections happened with six other churches. We gathered yesterday at Wake Chapel Christian Church in Fuquay, and we had the merge Olympics where we played all these tournaments. And the Grace guys won the dodgeball tournament. Yeah. So, if you if you were on the dodgeball team that won the tournament, will you stand up? That's right. These are our these are our men. They, that's right. So, and we. As you notice, we stacked the team pretty good. So we, 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 we had some kids on there too. They're just not standing up. So one of the ways we connected this weekend was connecting dodgeballs in other kids' faces when we, won the, when we won the tournament. But this morning we're talking about family connections. You guys will see in your bulletin, family connections. And kind of to go along with that, whenever we talk a lot of times about home groups or serving in teams, you may wonder, where do I go from here? Well, the website is a tool for that. And so we want to give you guys a look at what the what the website looks like. David Calvert uh, a few I guess a couple months ago now, he had you guys pull out your mobile devices and bring up the website. And if you bring up the website grayccnc.org on your phone, you're going to get the mobile view. If you scroll down to the bottom, you click visit full site and you get this view. And it's very graphic oriented. But on the mobile version, if you want to listen to podcasts, you want to see the calendar, what's coming up real quick, it's all right there. And you can find all the information you can find on the full site, on the mobile site. You just have to, have to look a little deeper. So a few areas we're talking about connecting is just, uh, is just, first of all, is through, through, through membership, through home groups, through serving in, serving on teams. And even if you want to tell people about grace and you're not quite sure all the information, you can send them to the website. Everything is right here. So as you guys see on the website, when you bring it up, let me get the mouse going here. Come on, come on. Can you see it? There it is. So whenever you bring it up, you see right there on the on the front page what to expect. So right there, you, people, that tells you what what Sunday mornings are like here at Grace. Right in the middle, recent sermons. If someone's wanting to check out what the environment's like, right there, what to expect. Underneath our statement, recent sermons, find a home group. That's kind of our pro- priorities. And as you notice, we, we make it easy to connect here at Grace. But you have to be intentional. We're kind of a laid-back church. You can mosey in late and that's kind of the norm. Not that it's good, but that's the way, that's the way that it ends up happening. And same thing with our schedule, with our ministries, we have two things that we'd love for you to be a part of. And one of those is right here, Sunday morning. And then we, we want home groups to be a priority. We're not bringing you back for Sunday night service. We're not bringing you for Wednesday night service. We're not bringing you back for Thursday night Bible study. We uh, worship gathering and home groups. That's the two things that we would love for you to be a part of. So we have that front and center right here. Find a home group right there. Home group. That's our recent. That's our current series. That's the last series. That's the archive. You can pull up the archive. And if you're reading personally through the book of Judges, you can click on Judges and find every sermon that's been preached here since 2009 in the book of Judges. You can look through everything. So it's a great resource. You scroll on down on the main page. There's some different things. There's a sign up form, TVR. Next week is the deadline to sign up for TVR, if you want to go FYI. There's our calendar right there. But at the top, social media, if you want to connect on Facebook, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, right down there on the bottom. But right here, if you're new, if you're wanting to steer someone to grace, tell them about the church from the homepage, they have our service times, directions, how to contact us all up top. I'm new. To Jesus, to Grace, or to the area. Uh, Even some of our members' favorite restaurants and parks is right there. If we have Campbell students who are coming, their parents want to know what's in the area, there's a resource right there. About us, our doctrine, our core values, our leadership. You want to see what the elders look like, the staff, who the deacons are? You go right there. You get a little bio. And, of course, we have our missionaries. If you want to know who we support, and there's links to their websites right there. So, yeah, you guys will recognize some of these faces. For sure. Well, if I can get it to click. Go to connect. Connect, there's a bunch of different ways to connect. We have underneath connect. First of all, there is um, what to expect on Sunday mornings. The same type thing. And then we have connect through membership, connect through home groups, and we have connect through serving in teams. And it's not going right there. But whenever you click connect, serving in teams, there's a list of every ministry team that we have in, in play right now. For those of you who are new, you want to serve, but you're new, You want a good place to start is through our host team. That's greeting people as they walk on the door, handing out a bulletin. Um, there's a list of every contact information. You're interested in the Buddy Mill team, there's a contact information right there. You're interested in uh, helping with men's breakfast, there's a contact right there. It's all under serving um, in teams. And then ministries, that tells you about all of our ministries. They'll drop down to men's, women's, youth. It's very, I clicked that like two minutes ago, so (laughs) it's lagging behind. There's different, there's different ministries that you can, you can go to. Of course, we have the sermons. Same thing, sermons. It gives all of our church history classes. If you miss church history, you want to watch the videos. Go to sermons and you can watch the videos. And of course, events are our calendar. So the website is a great tool, but the main things we're praying about this morning is connecting through, um, membership, connecting through home groups, connect by serving in teams. And if you want to know how to do that more, what the process is for membership, go to connect on our website, look at membership. You want to know where the home groups are? There's a map, there's a list by city. Go to connect, go to home groups. You want to know how you can serve in teams, what teams there are, and who to even contact? Go to Connect, click Serving in Teams, and uh, shoot an email, and it'll get to the right person. So we're going to pray that uh, family connections will be will be made. And uh, it's a privilege to be a part of this family. And as it is with any relationship, it takes work. You have to be intentional. Just like this weekend, we went and we connected with other churches. It would be easy for all the Grace kids to just sit in the corner. But instead they got up and got dodgeballs and pegged everyone. So, but they, they were intentional. They were intentional. And the same thing for us. Have to be intentional to connect. So we've tried to make it easy for you. You only, know, there's two things. Sunday morning. In home groups, so I'm going to ask one of our, our elders to open us in prayer, and uh, also Lee. He serves as a um, as a home group leader, serves on the worship team, and he was also he and Stacy were the host home for our middle school girls this weekend. He's going to open us up in prayer, and then I'll pray for us after that, and uh, then we'll sing a little more. So let's pray. lost in our community. We thank you for what it is, what a privilege it is again to serve you together as a family. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Grace
1: Community Church. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace. And if this is your first time, we welcome you especially to our... Uh, family. Speaking of family, we have a number of people who will be officially connecting with our family next Sunday morning, and then another batch um, a month or so after that. Uh, and if you are interested in learning more about Grace Community Church, uh, whether you want to join or not, you just want to know more about the church, then... The Sunday after Easter, we will be our next Grace Connection class. Between now and then, as David mentioned earlier today, <clears throat> on March 29th, Palm Sunday, immediately after the service, we're going to be having a discovery lunch. So if you're relatively new to Grace, we'd love for you to come. meet one of the home group leaders, uh, elders, deacons, a lot of deacons are in the home group leaders. So we would love, in staff, uh, come and join us for chur- uh, lunch after church. That's pizza will be having, something nasty like that, you know. So you probably won't want to eat yours, but I'll make sure it's taken care of. Well, <clears throat> if this is your first Sunday here today, you might be wondering about the topic. I rarely preach about money. Now that's a good thing, a lot of people would say, um, but I don't. I don't preach too much about money. There are certain stereotypes that go with different professions, whether they're accurate or not, whether they are legitimate or justified stereotypes or not. And certainly with preachers, what do you think about? Money, money, money. I suppose asking for money is that stereotype. And some preachers certainly reinforce the notion, but a lot of people just stay away from it because they don't want to add to a caricature. I mean, we already have enough to give account for as pastors, so we don't want to support that particular thought about preachers. But the danger of preaching too much about money is minor compared to the danger of preaching too little about money. Let me give you an example of what some would call preaching too much, just having too much to say about money. I think you'll recognize the teacher who spoke these words. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You believe that? Yep, I hope so. Jesus said it. You cannot serve God and Money. I guess that a lot of people would say, oh, I agree with Jesus giving money for the kingdom. It needs to be God's kingdom, though. I don't want to support some church or some preacher's kingdom. Well, fair enough. But the text we're going to read today tells us that we are to support the teachers of the church. If you think I had fun writing this, you're wrong. (laughs) I did not have fun writing this. Why should we support the teachers of the church? Well, Paul makes a point because when we support a pastor who is preaching the gospel, we are supporting the propagation of the gospel. And we're laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven. The text is going to also tell us that it's fine. It's absolutely fine to give money outside of the church. But giving to the church has to be our top priority. Once again, we ask why? Because giving, like sharing burdens, is a family matter. It's a family affair. Three weeks ago, we began a study in Galatians 6 called the Gospel in Action. But weather and other factors uh, sort of delayed getting to the second part of the message. Today is week two of this study. And there are three points of interest in the study. Spiritual, the spiritual priority in the family. Galatians 6.1, if someone is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore that person. Above all, the spiritual health and, and welfare of the family is our top priority. Then assistance for the whole person, bear one another's burdens, and yet... Take up your own load. Everybody take your load that you're able to take and that you're called to take. But when someone is facing, is overwhelmed with a burden that is well beyond their ability to take care of, you jump in and help. Families do that, don't they? I mean, they help each other. And today's focus may feel a little bit different, but it is very much the same. We help one another by giving generously of our finances and material goods as well as giving our time and care. The gospel is at stake. And how we give has a great impact on us individually, on our family, and on the propagation of the gospel in the world. So... Galatians 6, we covered verses 1 through 5 a few weeks back. We're going to cover 6 to 10 today, but let's stand and read this text together if you would. Please stand for the reading of Scripture. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let, let the one who is taught in the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. Isn't that interesting? Twice already. Don't be deceived. This one deceives himself. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Father, we are so grateful that you have called us to belong to this particular home Father, we recognize that Grace Community Church is just a small portion of the of the larger church, but so much of what you plan to do takes place in local churches. So thank you for bringing us together and binding our hearts together. Lord, we want to be like Jesus. <clears throat> we want to please you in all that we say and do. And so as we Consider your word to us about the giving of our resources. We pray that our hearts would be opened. And Lord, if indeed our wallets and our purses are not already open, that you will open them. Because whether or not they're open reveals a lot about where our heart is. We don't want to make the mistake and think that giving is the way we get to heaven. But because we're going to heaven, because of what Jesus has given for us, Lord, we gladly give everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated. <clears throat> this, this world has... So very much to offer, especially in our country, in our time. I mean, it can look and feel and taste so good. I love to watch the young just attacking life with all the advancements and the advantages of the ages, not the age, the ages. Look at all that we have going for us. And those who are gifted and talented, just attack it with, with passion in this country, especially if they have a successful Kickstarter campaign. They're able to just go after their dreams. And they do so with a sense of immortality. This is never going to end. It's always going to be this good. We're young. Anything's possible. If only it were so. If only immortality, not, not for everyone, elusive to most, but, but if only the chosen ones who after all deserve their success and, and their status could just keep it going. Life can look good if you work hard and you study to know what is cool and what is not. And if you you work at perfecting your image, I mean, deep down you know better. But if everybody else says, I'm good, I'm good, right? It's got to be that way. I suppose that's one of the reasons that the gospel is so unpopular in a land of affluence and freedom. Because in order to receive the good news, we have to acknowledge that the bad news Scripture says about us is true. That we're absolutely incapable of going to heaven because of things that we have done. That we're really not as good as we think we are. And I don't like you telling me that. In fact, wait just a minute. Are you going to tell me that this drunk who beat his wife and kids is going to heaven because he's been saved? And as good as I have been to this community, as much money as I've given to the arts and the people in need, that I'm not going to heaven? You're telling me that? I'm telling the Scripture says none of us are good enough. Not one is good enough to be saved. And such an assumption is making the wrong comparison it 's easy to go to heaven if you 've got to compare yourself with a drunk who beats his wife and kids. most of us can 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 meet that standard. But when your comparison is against the perfect creator of the universe, the righteous one, not one of us has a chance. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul rigorously defended the gospel, the truth that our only hope of eternal life is in Jesus Christ alone. When we give up our hope of heaven through good works and we believe in Jesus' death as payment for our sin, then we're brought into the family of God. We take care of one another as the first part of our text instructed us. That's the gospel in action. I don't suppose that there are any of us that think that a a really great life is going to be one that's just free of challenges and sacrifice. We recognize that in order to gain, you have to give up something. What we ultimately have to determine is whether or not what we're giving up is being done for this life only or for eternity. Are you living for now? or for eternity whether or not we're living for now or, or eternity is de- is determined by what we believe about eternity right and while you might say that listen how much you obey the Lord will direct your priorities. That's true, but it's, it's true that our actions reveal our beliefs, but it's also true that what we believe determines our priorities. Actions are pretty much the result of our beliefs, right? No doubt your faith may waver more than you want it to. But when you believe the gospel, your life will reflect your commitment to Jesus. So how strong is your faith? Your faith is strong enough, obviously, to get you here on Sunday mornings, at least this Sunday morning. And most of you that I see are here a lot of Sunday mornings. But do you trust God at the level that it will impact what you do with the money? That He gives you? Not the money that you earn, but the money that He gives you. That's a perspective thing, isn't it? Galatians 6.6 6 is one of those verses that will test our belief. Let the one who is taught in the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. If you're using the King James, you'll likely wonder what in the world this verse means. Let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Simply means the pastor gives you spiritual blessings. You, in turn, give him material blessings. It used to be kind of a barter system type of a thing, you know. You would provide the pastor with, with, um, with food. Thank you, money pennies, for the eggs that you uh, give us when we're able to get ahead of the other selfish people that you give eggs to, you know, <laughs> and get our carton first. Um, that's the way it that that's the way it was. Why, why did God do that? Well, there are reasons. First of all, let me say though. Remember a few weeks ago when we were reading from Second Corinthians four, Paul warned preachers about preaching for gain. This is not about getting money, making a living, which is why that that is so frustrating when you see, especially guys on television. Who are saying, give the money that you have here and I'll pray for you and you will be healed when it's clearly a false motive for asking for money. So Paul is not saying be a preacher, it pays well. Since the gospel was under such heavy attack in the Galatian churches, Paul encourages readers to use their material good to support the teachers who preach the pure gospel, which would free them up to spend time to study so that they might answer the opponents of the gospel. These Judaizers who were coming in, they knew their stuff. And Paul was saying, if you expect gospel preachers to combat that, you need to give them time to prepare. going to talk a lot more about this next Sunday about the need for the pastor, for the teacher, to prepare what he's going to say on Sunday mornings. Even though Paul refused to take money from some places where his authority was in question because he didn't want to give people a a chance to say, oh, you're only in this for the money. He's saying, absolutely not. Even so, he told some of those places like Corinth, he said, I did you a disservice by not letting you support me. And over and over in the New Testament, as well as the Old, the the, the truth of paying the one who ministers spiritually is given quite clear, clearly. Why support ministers of, of the gospel, specifically teaching elders? Because the gospel is that important. And I've gone to getting my uh, tongue tangled around my eye tooth and I can't see what I'm saying. Under the Old Testament covenant, the priests were supported by the people so that they could attend to spiritual matters. In fact, God's covenant people were expected to give a tithe, a tenth of their uh, their money. But not only their money, also their crops, their herds, which ended up being a whole lot more than a tenth, didn't it? While it's certainly appropriate to acknowledge that the Old Testament tithe was not only to support the ministry of this theocracy this nation that was led by God it is also true that this money was given to support the government even so it's equally true that in Malachi 3 God would accuse the Israelites of robbing him by not giving their tithes to the temple in the very same breath though God told his people that if they would tithe he would take care of them put me to the test he said And see if I don't open the windows of heaven. And bless you. I'm going to guess that the reason some of you don't tithe, it's not because you're opposed to the idea. But you feel you just can't afford to tithe. Alice and I had a, had lunch with a, a couple from Grace a few weeks ago, and they were talking about the decision to give 10%, and the conversation with the husband went something like this. There was just no way. I mean, I'd done all of the record-keeping. I, I knew the income and the outgo, and there was no way that we could give a 10% tithe to the church. And still make it, but we made that decision anyway, and guess what? (laughs) The Lord met the needs, and I have no idea. I tracked the books carefully. I can't tell you how he did it, but he did it, and he's always done it. When you give, the Lord takes care of you. Now, let me say that the New Testament standard for giving, found in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, is not a tenth. It's a generous, joyful heart. A tenth is a good standard, though. It's a a measuring rod of sorts. Do you believe that every single thing that you have from God is a gift? Or do you think that you have earned what you have and you deserve to spend it any way that you want? Well, again... Probably it's not so much a matter of that. It's just that, uh, better not this week. We've got so much going on. Oh, we got to pay this bill. Oh, man, can you believe? What an awful time for the transmission to go out. No, I, I I think most of us recognize that anything we accomplish in this life and any funds that we earn are done so because God gives us the mind, the body, the ability to accomplish the things that we do. He's the one who blesses us in every way. Furthermore, Jesus sacrificed his life for our sin. He became poor so that we might become rich. Not rich in this world, but rich in that we have the promise of eternal life regardless of what our financial statement looks like. God makes a very clear connection between his gift to us of Jesus and the response that he expects of a of a grateful and generous heart in giving. Now you don't have to agree with me about what I think is an appropriate amount for a tithe. But I want to issue a few challenges to those, those of you who don't give a tenth already to the Lord's work. Some of you do, and this challenge is really not for you. I'm not saying, look, if you're giving, give more. You you can take it that way if you want to, but that would be the Holy Spirit, not me, that's encouraging you to give more than that. As 2 Corinthians says, it has to be your decision, but at least I can tell you what I think. First, let me say this. The younger you are, the more important it is to make this decision. If you were in middle school, high school, undergrad grad school make this decision now it's much tougher 20 30 years down the road if you will make it now if you make this decision early enough there will almost certainly never come a time unless you just completely walk away from the Lord where you will even consider doing anything else with the first fruits of your check except give it to the Lord Just do it. Just make it. Well, this month, no, none of that. Just just make the decision. Give to the Lord. He'll take care of you. Even so, no matter your age, this challenge is for you. It makes sense to me to give at least a tenth of your income to the Lord. Even though it's an Old Testament word, I don't think it's inappropriate to call the giving of your first fruits to the Lord a tithe. So of all places Paul is saying beware the legalist and yet he's making a very strong case to give as you'll see the case gets stronger as we go. If you've not tithed to this point in your life it's, it's not likely going to be an easy decision. If you decide to give probably the first question that you will ask is gross or net? Well let me ask you How much do you make? Not how much do you make after taxes. How much? What is the amount of salary with which our gracious, loving Father has blessed you? What about bonuses, gifts from others, tax refunds, inheritance, Powerball winnings, things like that? By the way, I'm against playing the lottery. But if you do, and if you win... (laughs) Should I tithe those? Why not? It's an opportunity to bless other people, to bless the kingdom work around you. You know, we, we tithe our tax return. Haven't you already tithed that? Yeah? Look, I've been reading in the Old Testament where the priests are to give a tithe of the tithe. You know, look, it's just great when this money just keeps on going. It's the way the Lord does. Every opportunity you have to give, give. Don't think in terms of what am I required to give, but rather, wow, here I get to give. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity. You know what, I know it's going to sound crazy. And and I know it might sound like, oh, well, yeah, you're putting yourself up. That's not it at all. you got to know I'm not a hypocrite on this. I'm not. I give very generously. And there are two things about that. First, somebody told me this when I was young. And I made that decision, and it's just easy now for me. Uh, Secondly, a generous heart is from the Lord. There's no glory to me. It's no glory. Just if God's called you to be generous, be generous and give Him the praise and the glory. So when a tax return comes in, I think, "Ah, oh, this is awesome." And you know what? When they start talking about Powerball winnings, I think about winning that. I'd have to play to win. I'm not going to do that. Not until I retire. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think about it, and the first thing, honestly, I've given most of it away by the time I think about it. I I don't ever think about first. And part of that was because somebody encouraged me to make a decision when I was young about giving at that level. So if you want a suggestion, which you may not, you may have heard all that you want to hear. Thank you very much. But if you want a suggestion, I would suggest that you tithe 10% at a minimum to the church. Which pays not only the pastor's salary, but the children's minister's salary, the worship leader's salary, the youth director's salary. It pays for this building, this building that many people have come to and trusted Christ after they've heard the gospel over a period of time this place that, that, that some of you are so excited about just to be a part of this family. That's what the tithe is doing. Your gifts make a difference in the kingdom. If you direct all of your money to other people and to other causes, not only will this family's ability to preach the gospel suffer, but there's also the danger of you receiving glory that belongs to the Lord. And you don't want that. You do not want glory that belongs to the Lord on so many levels. I don't know what you give or don't give. I don't look at the books. I have no idea. The only time I want to know if you give or you don't give is if you're nominated to be an elder or a deacon. Then I want to know. If you're going to have that kind of say about the church's money, then you need to be giving. Um, But let me just tell you this. One of the advantages of of giving to the church and not directing that money is, is that you're trusting the Lord to do what He wants to do in the kingdom. Uh, if you think that I get to say where all the money goes, think again. I don't. A lot of people, Now I just pointed out the elders and the deacons, but there are a lot of people that have a say in, in the budget process. And rarely do the elders who have the final decision of putting the budget together that is presented to the congregation, rarely do the elders say, uh-uh, we're not doing that you know. Now occasionally I want things to happen and the elders may say that, the deacons may say that to me. No, no, not this year. We we can think about that next year but we're not able to do it. And you know what? That's okay. It's not anybody's one decision about where the money goes. But if you're always directing your money, you might be thinking well I need to be a good steward of my money or you might be thinking, you know, I ought to be God because I'm the one who thinks this is the best thing to do with my money. Give the money and let it go. What about the widow? Jesus said this woman has given all that she has to what was she given? A temple system that he had just condemned. He was in the process of condemning it. And he didn't say, hey, 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 hey lady, no, not there, over here. Put your money over here. Give your money And let the Lord be God. In addition to giving 10% of your salary to the church, I would encourage you also, again, this is my suggestion, just give out of your salary to missionaries, to organizations that have blessed you. In other words, give more than 10% of what you make. I'm not saying how much, but look, if you've profited from the teaching ministry of an individual or an organization, you are fulfilling the Galatians 6.6 principle, that the one who is taught in the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. If you're supporting Sean Cross, Sean and Melissa Cross, you're fulfilling this principle. If there's a particular radio program that really ministers to you and they come on and say, we can't do this without the gifts of our supporters, that is a good way to do it. That's that's a good place to give your money. Or a a, a friend of yours or a a missionary, someone whose ministry impresses you and, and, and causes you to want to be a part of that ministry, give to that missionary, individual, or organization, you might, um, and by the way, don't forget to give generously to the Benevolence Fund. You might expect me to say something, you cannot outgive God. I mean, the more you give, the more you will receive. I'm not going to say that, but I will say this, you can never give too much to God. He's the one who talks about blessings associated with giving, although in the New Testament, the blessings that we are promised are spiritual in nature. Yeah, but what, what if I want to do... Well, again, it tells us what we believe, doesn't it? it sort, of, sort of lays out what's priority to us, this kingdom, this life, or the next Look at verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Paul's thoughts come from the Old Testament, but he repeated this truth in Second Corinthians 9 when he talked about giving money. In fact, often when these thoughts, the, the, the idea of sowing and reaping is articulated in Scripture, it has to do with giving of our resources in one way or another. Now don't put a prosperity gospel spin to this and say that if you give to God, He will give back to you tenfold. He may, because this is a principle of the universe that our gracious, giving, generous God has established. Proverbs says there is one who gives liberally and yet has much, and there is one who is stingy and has little. Even if you have it and you're stingy, what good is it doing? Really. Well, I sure making my life nice. Look, my life nice. If you really thought that, you wouldn't be here this morning. I know you don't think that. But you know what? The more we make, the harder it is to let go of what we have. The more that we have. A friend of mine used to say the cause of wanting is getting. It's not entirely true, but there's a lot to it, isn't it? The more you get, the more you want. And so our God says, just be generous with your money into the kingdom. Jesus talks about giving and taking care of your money more than you can possibly imagine. Many of the New Testament givers, though, who were held up as example to, examples to us were poor. And as far as we know, they remain poor. They are inherited the riches of Christ. So, and on this day, where we're struggling with paying our bills or or <clears throat> some debilitating sickness or illness that has come upon us, they have received their reward and they are rejoicing in heaven. That's where the promises of material blessings are, are in heaven. You know, I was just wondering last night, I wonder if you'll ever drop anything in heaven, you know? Well, certainly not so that it'll break, you wouldn't think. You just... That's where the blessings are going to be complete. So, when Paul speaks of sowing and reaping, what would make us think he's referring to Money. I often point out the fact that when Paul is teaching that he can mean more than one thing. So is it this or is it this? And the answer is yes. Well, here, I actually think he's he's getting three things all in one. First of all, what's the whole book of Galatians about? Not depending on the works of the flesh, not depending on your good works, which are done in the flesh apart from the Lord, but depend on the Spirit of God who saves us through Christ. So he's talking about if you sow to the flesh, if you keep living as if your salvation depends on what you do, you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, then you will reap eternal life. I think he's also Referring back to the chapter before, I mean, Paul has made in in very stark contrast he's made between the spirit and the flesh. And he talks about the incongruity of belonging to Jesus and living as though you don't. Living as though you just belong to the world and you just... Accept the pleasures of the flesh as your right. Hey, I'm a saved, so... No, Paul says don't do that. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But then also, Paul encouraged the Galatians not to waste their money on themselves. Verse 6. It would be so unlike, Paul, to put one verse in the middle of his teaching that has nothing to do with anything else. Context, context, context. Let the one who is taught in the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he, the one who sows to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now we know in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul made the exact same point. What you do with the money indicates, your money indicates whether you're sowing to the flesh or sowing to the Spirit. If you have family or friends who don't follow Jesus, most likely they will think you are absolute nuts. To give 10% of your money to the church. I mean, crazy. Paul argues that it is not misguided to give from a grateful heart. Because at some level, and I don't know, I don't understand this like I, I need to. The quality of eternity for you depends on what you do with your resources. You will reap What you sow. We started out with Jesus' words. Lay up for yourselves not treasures on this earth, but treasures in heaven. Because everything here is going to decay. Everything there, never going to, never going to decay. When you think about it, this is a surprisingly strong call to give. And it's God's call, not my call. If you don't think I won't have some anxious moments this afternoon thinking about telling you to give like this, I will. Are you awake, teenagers? I know some of you were saying, do that so that you'll wake me up. I really want to hear this. And I really want you to hear this because I'm talking about money. I will, but it's not my call to give. For you to give, it's God's call. Paul wraps up this section by encouraging his readers to persevere in living out the gospel. Our brothers and sisters who are being killed by ISIS and in other places all over the world are coming into their reward. It makes you sick to think about what you've seen on the news. (laughs) the people to whom it happened are not sick at this moment. Don't look at this life as a young, successful secular artist or business person might and think that this life is all there is and it will never end. Your hope is not in this world. It is in Jesus. Furthermore, your first responsibility while you live on this earth is to give to your church family then to all men and women boys and girls all of whom are made in Christ's image you might think what do you think let me just ask you your neighbor's grass needs cutting it's a single woman and she's ill but she's not a believer you have a believing brother or sister in the same situation across town what should you do if you've only got time to cut one, you think, and it's just absolutely ingrained in us, you think you've got to go cut your neighbor's grass. But honestly, Scripture doesn't put it that way. It says, take care of your family first. Then, but my family will understand. They'll know I'm trying to show the love of Jesus. Paul says, in other places as well, Take care of your family first. What did Jesus say? Hereby will all men know that you are my disciples, that you give to the lost, that you wouldn't know that you have love one for another. Much of this doing good that Paul talks about in verse 10, what an encouragement verse 9 is. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thank you so much for giving generously to the Benevolence Fund. The deacons administer that fund. You cannot imagine the ways that you have blessed people who are sitting in this room this morning. Just, you, you you have no idea the ways that... And you know what you're doing? You're fulfilling Galatians 6.10. So, it's time to call a family meeting of this covenant community known as Grace Community Church. All those who tithe regularly... Said, no, I'm just kidding. Do not. <laughs> ah, Jesus commands for our giving to be done in secret, right? The only reason I tell you about mine is twofold. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to challenge you the way I was challenged and be able to say it with power. You could stand up here and talk about weaknesses that I have and I might you know so you might be out there about the money thing. But I want you to know this comes from the Lord. There'll be no disclosures. I don't, again, I don't know what you make. And even if you're up for elder or deacon, it's not like I want to say, well, how much do they give? You know, how much this person? I just want somebody that's looking at the books to tell me, yes, this is a giver. This is someone who is faithful with the resources that God has given him. And it, it seems somewhat commensurate with, you know, the money that he's making. In fact, while this is very much a family matter, it's first and foremost between you and God, isn't it? So it's time for you to make some decisions. I mean, while it might seem appropriate, in fact, it would seem appropriate to say, let me just encourage you to go home and pray about this. Lord's pretty clear in His Word, isn't He? You don't, you don't need to pray. You just need to make a decision to give. If you've never given before, this could be really tough. Or if you haven't done so consistently, you might start with 5%. But remember, God said, put me to the test. Put me to the test. Why don't you go ahead and start with 10? Hey, you want to talk to that couple? Now I'm going to really get in trouble. Talk to Dexter and Kathy Wells. Dexter was telling me all about that, about that decision. Had no idea where it was coming from. And the Lord just did it. You know what I've never heard? Never heard anybody say, Well, we made the decision to start tithing and we went bankrupt or it's the worst decision we ever made. Gosh, there were so many things I was looking forward to doing in this life. Now I can't do it because we're tithing. Suffering for Jesus. (laughs) In fact, you know it's the exact opposite, isn't it? Every testimony I have ever heard about giving is accompanied by a huge, wide grin. Always. Always. Because that's who our God is. And those are the hearts of generous, grateful givers. Let's pray. Well, Lord, um, I'm sure that some of these words seem fairly hard-heading. Jesus' words were hard-heading. Paul's were much softer, actually, and encouraged us to look inside our hearts and to recognize The gift, the inexpressible gift of Jesus that has been given to us, who, for our sakes, though he was rich, became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. And from the poorest person to the richest person in this room this morning, we are incredibly rich. So, Lord, we're thankful for the gift of Jesus. We're thankful for the food that you give us and the seasonings that we have to put on that food to make it tasty and the choices that we have when we go into the groceries. Oh, that one's too expensive, so let me go to the other one. God, for a warm roof over our heads, a warm house, a roof over our heads that keeps us dry. For the privilege to work where we do, although it may not seem like a privilege to some, the privilege that we have, the privilege that we have to earn a living and to not be dependent on others, even though in this community sometimes we're we're led to be dependent. Lord, we have so much to be thankful and none of that, none of that compares to the salvation we have in Christ and the hope of eternal life. Our default mode is condemnation. We are condemned until you intervene. And he that believes on the Son is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already because of the wrath of God. Abides on him. Even our faith you've given to us, Lord. And we're thankful. So, as I've already prayed, open our hearts and open our wallets, our purses, our bank accounts. And may we give generously. May we, really, it's all a matter of trust, isn't it? May we trust you. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Would you stand together, please? Sing it one more time. And the words of Jesus. For whosoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful nation, generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Go in peace this week.